0: Welcome to Real Talk Intervention, episode 14. It's allowing me to see a lot more success with my intervention students, which makes me happier, and it makes them happier. I am Sarah Underbrink, here as always with my co-host, Stephanie Garcia, and um, I have really great news, Stephanie. Guess what? What? <laughs> it is May! <laughs> <laughs> what that means... What that means is there's only a few more weeks until my personal favorite time to be a teacher ever. I call it the month of June, July, and the the first two weeks of August. That's really when I get most of my satisfaction as an educator.
1: Well, I'm not going to have that much because I only get about three weeks of summer vacation this year. Well... That's on
0: you. <laughs> for most of us, okay, not most of us, but for some of us, star testing is behind us. We've got final exams coming up. Summer is right around the corner. And that's why we are designating May official Happy Teachers Month here at Real Talk Intervention.
1: We just got done with star testing this oh, this day, this actual thank you, day. God. Thank, thank you. you. All right. So there are many, many ways to say thank you, but we figured we'd just get on here and just laugh hysterically and and, (laughs) but you know we're you know we love accountability we love it but we are also normal human beings who really hate being in those classrooms for hours. As much as I do support the star
0: as kind of a general concept, I really don't support the whole like sitting in that room staring at the wall. a
1: really good idea. Oh,
0: if only somebody else would do this every now and then. (laughs) I just, yeah, I don't know. But but it is wonderful to be done with it. And maybe that is kind of the message of star is it's so awful that when it's over, you're just really happy. And I I wanted to give a, a shout out to one of my all time favorite podcasts that kind of inspired this month and this episode. Um, it's a podcast called Happier by uh, a Gretchen Rubin. A Gretchen wrote a book on happiness, and she and her sister do this really fun and it's actually a really helpful podcast. Where they talk about how to make your life happier just by you know maybe changing a few habits or, or knowing yourself better. It's all really great.
1: Wait, if I haven't heard this podcast, do I still get to be happy?
0: No, I'm sorry. Your, your happiness card is revoked. Aww. But you know, they are a really great podcast and, and in the spirit of their podcast, and, and I say in the spirit, actually, I'm going to just directly steal their format from them. But I think it's okay, because I'm here, I'm giving them credit, and they don't know we exist. But in the spirit of their podcast, we're going to talk about uh, how to make yourself a happier teacher.
1: I don't think that the situations that we have always worked in, in education, are the happiest. Uh, I, I like to kind of think of us as the cleanup crew sometimes. And that can be really depressing because we work with 100% at-risk kids, and we work with kids who have emotional baggage that no child should ever have to deal with. They're struggling more than any kid should be forced to struggle in high school. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's not a happy situation. But I think that we still maintain a lot of laughter between us and the people that we work with.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's it, it it's a it's kind of a it's it's just a necessity for working in our position is finding ways to make yourself the happiest teacher ever. So I, I think everyone can maybe take a little something from our happiness toolbox. And so because I am stealing directly from this Happier podcast, what they do in every episode is they give a happiness hack. Now what that is, Stephanie, is it's a hack. It's a life hack. It's a simple way that you can maybe change your routines or your habits or or, or change the way you do something and it results in increased happiness for you. And then they also give a happiness stumbling block, which is kind of what it sounds like. It's a stumble a stumble block that you can come across, something that you do in your daily life that is actually really killing your happiness.
1: Okay, so we've got a happiness hack and we've got a stumbling block. All right, so why don't you start with the hack. What is your hack for maintaining your happy demeanor?
0: My happiness hack is absolutely all about creating and finding for yourself the very small victories. It can be so overwhelming when you have students with with really huge needs and they have really large educational gaps and you have so far that you have to bring them in a year. And, and sometimes it really isn't possible to do what you need to have done with those kids. And you can get yourself very depressed thinking about all the ways in which you're failing or all the ways in which the student is failing. And 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 what works for me is is coming up with this idea of these, these small victories. I always set the bar just a little bit above where the student is. And I find ways to help them get over that bar so instead of looking at like a huge long project where i'm you know working at it all year and i may or may not get there to me it's just about what did i accomplish today. And maybe what I accomplished today was the student came to school and that was good. That was great. And that that is a small victory and and I keep myself really focused on that and I try not to think so much about getting to the end of the goal in one year. Sometimes I'm like, "Hey, it's going to take 2 years for us to get there." And that's that's okay. The point is we get there.
1: When I started teaching, I think my first year was so hard because I, oh, Sarah, I was like an I was one of those AP kids. Like a lot of teachers are coming in there, and you know I was a good student, and it really wasn't hard for me. And I don't know how many times I went home just crying. You know why have I got myself into this? These kids, I, I have no idea what to do with them. I don't. I don't relate. I don't. I don't understand what's happening. I, I, we don't get each other at all. And one of the ways that I actually figured out to help myself the next year was by doing exactly what you're saying. I started going deeper into assessment. Like, how can I break down this this giant boulder that's sitting on this kid into small little pebbles that I could lift off one at a time, right? And so that took me to Standards. Looking at those standards, going backwards down the vertical alignment to see where they were missing things, and then chipping away piece by piece by piece. But then I needed to know: Are they getting it? So I started making these assessments. I want to know: Are you getting it? You're not. You're not passing this big assessment that's in the textbook, you know, at grade level or whatever the textbook materials are that they give us. So what can I do that standards aligned down the vertical alignment to do to see where you are, and then to track you and then we started kind of tracking our own progress and then that went into individualized learning plans because this kid needed something totally different than this kid and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger until I realized by the third or fourth year I was happy where I was I did understand where the kids were yeah, exactly. I, I'm glad you
0: brought up this idea of, of how the standards and using the standards actually, it does make me a happier teacher. We have a couple of podcasts that we did very early on, and we were just getting started. Um, podcast number two, where we talked about making a standards-based classroom, and then podcast number four, which is how do you teach those standards? These are two podcasts in which we kind of got into a little bit more in detail how to how to actually use the standards to individualize your teaching in the classroom. But just to kind of touch briefly on, on that right now, one thing... Thing that's making me happier as a teacher is when I'm using an assessment and on my assessment I've got multiple standards Instead of giving the students an overall grade, like, you know, hey, you got like a 40 on this test, I give them their grade based on standards because it's so much more likely that they're going to see some success when you progress monitor by standard as opposed to progress monitoring across assessment. Because, you know, I mean, let's be honest, you know, maybe one standard and, you know, 9A or whatever, they're going to get like 60% on 9A. And for some of your students, that's really, really good. But on some of the other standards, maybe the supporting standards, they're going to get 20 or They're going to get 10. And so overall, their overall grade is going to be really super low. But really if you just go based on the readiness standard, you're going to see growth or you're going to see improvement because you are going to have to focus in and be like, I really need you to know this readiness standard. So I find for myself being really targeted on how I'm assessing on certain standards as opposed to kind of a unit overview. It's allowing me to see a lot more success with my intervention students, which makes me happier and it makes
1: them happier. And that's the thing. Nobody wants to be a a failure. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to be a failure. None of my kids want to be failures and you know i think a lot of a, a lot of times we, we we say oh well that kid's not trying and they don't care and that's i'm sorry that's 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 crap they they do care they've just been kind of like they've had the care kind of slapped out of them by how many failures they've had so everybody can benefit from the idea of setting these small goals and then progress monitoring them because it you you can't help but see the success there
0: so, Stephanie, why don't you tell us a little bit about a, a happiness stumbling block that you see? Something that's getting in the way of your of your happiness.
1: Well, I, I think everybody probably can guess at mine. <laughs> mine is, you know, like like you were saying when we had the last podcast. I definitely have huge goals for myself and for my students and for my my teaching. I I want to give the kids the best and. I am just a human being, so I think I've been working on that. How to make sure that I am not creating these unrealistic expectations just across the board for me, for the teachers I work with, for the students, for anybody. When you are setting yourself up for failure in that way, you can't help but be unhappy. So just kind of remembering to always go back to that small piece, that that small joy that I had when I first started teaching and I realized That although they might not be progressing all the way from third grade reading level all the way up to like college ready and we didn't just, you know, maybe they're not ready for Shakespeare, but they're definitely ready for Gary Paulson. You know, that's exciting and I want to be able to celebrate some of those. So I think that's my biggest stumbling block that I always have to be conscious of.
0: I think unrealistic expectations are a huge problem for teachers because we we do, especially, and this is one of the things about the standards that makes them so valuable, but they are a happiness stumbling block because they create strict standard expectations that oftentimes are unrealistic for the students in our room. And teachers are so empathetic and so emotionally involved with their students that when our students fail to meet those unrealistic expectations, it is just so personally painful. I had a student one time, this was back under the, the tax system, and she was an ESL student and failed all her content. So she was getting help from multiple content teachers, and she was also getting help from uh, her specific ESL teacher that she had and she was super sweet she tried super hard but she was very depressed when she had failed again her science tax she was talking about it with her esl teacher and i guess the conversation wasn't going very well and they were trying to make a plan for what we're going to do next time and they called me down to talk with her and the esl teacher and she was so depressed and, and i always remember this i said to her I was like you know it, it does it sucks to fail it's no fun to fail i know you feel that way i mean i feel that way too it's like I feel like I felt you we all do. Oh, and that ESL teacher was so Offended that I said that we had failed, that all three of us had failed. She was so incredibly offended. She was furious. She blew up on us and she stormed off down the hallway. And I really took that to heart because I need to remember that trying and maybe not getting to exactly where you wanted to go is not a failure. We had moved that student along, we had worked with that student, we had succeeded with that student. We just hadn't gone all the way, and so I needed to not be framing that in that kind of language, that failure language.
1: But that's the that's the thing too. Framing, I think, if you want a second hacking this hack. I mean, I think framing is a huge part of that. You know, when I have a kiddo in my room that's just like he just came in and he is pissed at the world. You know, and he he's just like he's ready to throw down. And I, I could definitely, I could definitely step up and fight that, but it's not going to help either one of us, and it's not going to make me happy, and it's not going to fix anything with him, and it's probably going to come back to get me. So I learned really, uh, really quickly to start, to, to start reframing things. So making sure that I am looking at the kid as. Not necessarily angry, but disappointed. Not necessarily, you know, it's it's the same thing as driving in traffic, you know. Like, when 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 I get cut off, sometimes I'll make up a story about how they are, you know, racing their kid to the hospital, and then I'm like, go, guy, go. (laughs) Instead of like flipping him off, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you can do it. I'm all behind you. (laughs) And, you know, yeah, he's probably just being a jerk, you know, just like the kids, probably just having a jerky day. But I I don't have to have that rub off on me if I have a different frame of mind.
0: And I think both of us have spent a lot of our time trying to reframe our students' behavior as mm. is, is not what it is. And, and I do honestly believe, I, I mean, I really do believe with my students that when they're not working, I believe it's not because they're just being defiant or they're just jerks. I, I do believe that there's underlying academic causes. And it really helps me stay patient. Yeah. It really helps me dig down on that. So yeah, re- reframing your student's behavior in a way that makes you not want to tear out your own hair is definitely <laughs> another
1: hack. But you know, that confrontation you, you have with the kiddo is never going to go well. I don't know if you remember when we were having that trouble with that one kid that we had at our last school. One time, he just kind of got mad at me, and I stood up for myself, and he threw a table over. And that didn't Mm -hmm. help anything. So, you know, you just you've got to be conscientious of how you project your feelings but the best way to do that is to to maintain that equilibrium that that idea that they might be acting in a certain way but it's just a symptom of some deeper issue right. inside of them and right once you do that it's, it's like it's really hard to get mad at them you know it's like getting mad at somebody for missing question 14 you know he just hasn't learned to pre- to take care of his feelings in a way that I needed him to learn. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, absolutely. I I think reframing is probably the most useful device that I have for de-escalating situations. Oh, yeah. it's just too easy to be to be frustrated with the students and and you've got to you've got to reframe it and see it in a different way and and you'll deescalate situations as opposed to escalating them, which is really important in our jobs because we could have conflict all day every day if we didn't oh, do sure. things like that it's yeah, with
1: our situations. the thing that makes me happy at every school i've gone to i've 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 gotten in with like a little crew, and I love my crews and like. You know, we've had a couple of them on, Janie, Juliana. These ladies make everything at work so much funnier, so much better, so much kinder, so much just like you're going to hang out with your friends as opposed to work sometimes, you know? And yeah, if you can find just two or three people that will just love you any way you are. Life's so much better at that point.
0: What, what do they say?
1: Find your tribe. Find Fine. your teaching your tribe. tribe. <laughs> it doesn't have to be everybody. You don't have to get everybody. No. But if you can just no. find a couple people that just get you, you're going to be yeah. a lot happier. Agreed. So on that podcast, they also do
0: a little something where they they share a little something from their lives, and they do what's called happiness demerits and happiness gold stars. So one of them will give themselves a demerit, something that they did that caused them to not be as happy, and then someone else will do the gold star, what they did that made them happy. And I kind of volunteered to take the demerit here today. (laughs) Um, I've had a demerity (laughs) kind of week as it turns out and uh kind of an ironic week because if you've been listening to real talk intervention with any amount of fidelity you know that stephanie and i very much support standardized testing and we very much support the star but uh my happiness demerit is about the star test specifically (laughs) about you proctoring that star test um stephanie and i do a lot of star test proctoring like all the star test proctoring all of it all of the retesting and everything that goes on We, we proctor the star test a lot and i think you know stephanie and i have discussed this in the past but i mean i do think there is something to be said for the more that you do something the more kind of complacent that you do become about it so I got myself a little slight testing irregularity on my star proctoring record. I've, you know, the permanent record yes, has been I've, I've proctored like fifty star tests in this past five years and yeah, I got myself a mild irregularity, nothing serious, nothing that I'm gonna lose my contract over, but just me, you know, not um slavishly devoting myself to the uh nitpicky craziness of star bureaucracy. <laughs> Did I can I say that? No, it's on me. It's on me. It I knew better. Your fault. So I don't I no longer support star testing and uh I am against it. You can tell how deeply hell these convictions were for Sarah. They were. They were very deep. And now <laughs> I realized the anti testing movement was correct and the star is insane. <laughs> But it's okay. You know, I've, re- I've recommitted myself to, uh, to bureaucracy, so well, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm growing from this.
1: So so can I tell them my star testing irregularity from a few years ago? I think you should. <laughs> so I was star testing. Yeah, mine was taxed, yeah. but in the middle of the test... <laughs> Um, I'm not really, I don't even remember because I think I was traumatized. But it was some sort of stinging wasp or bee or something. An entire nest was apparently in my ceiling. And they all just decided it was time to vacate. So, of course, the kids lost their minds. We all lost our minds. And we all ran screaming from the room, slamming the door behind us, and leaving all of our testing materials (laughs) unwatched. yeah <laughs> you know I, I'm sorry you know I'm not gonna go in and get stung by a hundred wasps for a tax test. That is not the sword that I am falling on but that was my well, you know there's you need to rethink your life. these kind of things you know we you know we do our best but you know we're human beings and and that is realizing you can make a mistake it kind of wakes you back up and says, okay right. all right we're gonna Yeah a new lease on this but i mean i, I think you just gotta kind of let it go though you, you can't oh, yeah. really i mean you feel really bad and especially when there's the yeah. permanent record things and stuff yeah. like sure. that but yeah and the fact that i'm part of the training now demerit demerit de- de- <laughs> <merit. laughs> tell us a gold star
0: Stephanie. move this thing on
1: okay well i made a game recently and Actually, actually, here's another connection to the star test. So you know how you just sit and stare, like, endlessly for hours, and there's nothing to actually stare at because they've covered all the posters in the room because, God forbid, someone see a cat hanging from a tree and get inspired Mm -hmm. for their essays. Yeah. (laughs) or, Or the spine of a book in a classroom library. I'm sitting there uh, the, in December and we are start testing and I am I'm, I'm letting my brain kind of think over things and stuff like that and I'm I'm starting to think like you know how can I do this how can I do this and I come up with a game and formed it during that star test and then over the last you know few weeks I've worked on making it because it was pretty time intensive. And then I went, and I got it all printed, and I laminated it and I cut it all out with Janie and some of her kids, and we finally sat down, and I had them play it with me. And they were having a good time. It was like an educational game, and they dug it so yes. much. Get this. They came over on their off period and asked, Miss Garcia, can we play that game again with the figurative language?
0: Crazy town. What?
1: Yes, you may play. And they brought their friends. They brought their friends to play the figurative language game. That is a happiness gold star for sure. So there you go. There are good things. If kids can play educational games that you made up, yeah. Yeah. gold star. You
0: you pretty much win. (laughs) You win now. Hashtag happy teacher. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, we, we want to we want to try a little something. We want to kind of increase this idea of uh, teacher happiness here in May. We want to kind of bring some communities together. And we would love to see some of your happy classrooms. So what we're going to do is I'm going to try on Twitter. I'm going to put some pictures of things that I'm doing, and I'm going to put them up on Twitter. I'm going to use the hashtag happyteacher. If you want to play along and show me some of the things that make you happy, please do so. That's hashtag happyteacher you can play on Twitter or you can play on Facebook. Stephanie and I are both going to be posting pictures of the things that make us happy in the month of May. And to add to that, so um, our next podcast is going to release on, our next happiness podcast is going to release on May 23rd, and it's going to be really exciting because Stephanie and I are going to go around talking to actual teachers, finding out what
1: makes them a actual happy teacher. Teachers. Actual teachers. Happy teachers. <laughs> okay, I, I know what my teachers. first pictures going to be the first picture is going to be a picture of the couch that i have in my room with my ist bunny that i like to snuggle when i am very very sad
0: my couch and my bunny makes people happy on a weekly basis if
1: you do not have a couch in your classroom (laughs) you need to get on that it's cool they call it flexible seating it's totally a thing (laughs) that's allowed now uh, yes. Yeah. Done Get on and that. Done. Get on
0: that right away. <laughs> so we're going to be participating in hashtag Happy Teacher Month, and we're going to be inviting our friends and colleagues to become a part of that. So um, May twenty third, we're taking to the streets. We're interviewing the people, we're finding out what makes them happy teachers in May. So look forward to that. And finally, we do have one more special episode that we're going to drop on May sixteenth. It is special episode number three. Yes, it is another political episode. Stephanie and I just aren't done talking about politics and the star test yet. But so if you enjoy that sort of thing, it's happening again on May 16th. Or if you think that that is going to be a happiness stumbling block for you, I suggest just avoiding it entirely and catching up with us again on May 23rd. What business plan is this? Telling Yeah, (laughs) I'm sorry. I just feel like in the middle of happiness (laughs) month, we're talking about (laughs) legislation. (laughs) It is a really great episode, and if if you're wanting to hear a little more about what's going on on in Texas legislature, we've got a really interesting and exciting episode for you that's going to be dropping on May the 16th.
1: All right, so happy Teacher Month. Here we go. I cannot wait for this month to be... over Over. what yes (laughs) that's gonna be what
0: makes me happy (laughs) thank you for joining us at real talk intervention you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher please come to our blog realtalkintervention.blogspot.com follow us um, on twitter at intervene number four real or like us on facebook where we're working on building our our community of like minded happy teachers and we will talk to you soon
1: Something about um Yeah, you don't read
0: That was professional.